Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the paediatric medical education podcast. Remember, you can hear our entire back catalogue of episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and of course our SoundCloud. So please tell your colleagues and friends and hit that subscribe button. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Peds in a Pod, the podcast on medical education topics relating to paediatrics, helping us look after our children, young people, and of course, uh, the families uh, of our patients. Uh, it's Ashley Reese here, p- consult paediatrician and medical educator. I work in Hertfordshire and I'm in the chair for this episode where we're going back to the basics and thinking about the very nourishment that keeps our paediatric patients sustained and nourished from very early in their life and beyond and that is milk so this episode is all about baby formula we're going to discuss where formula came from we're going to think about different types of formula and if you happen to uh, pop into your local supermarket you'll see many many different types of formula on the shelves that can be very bamboozling for new parents uh, wanting to know what to feed their uh, new baby uh, as well as very many prescribable formulas, so-called specialist formulae, in the British National Formulae for Children. So to help me navigate this area, I'm delighted to uh, be joined by uh, Rahi van der Boer, who is a paediatric dietitian. She spent many years working at Great Ormond Street and is the spokesperson for the British Dietetic Association. Rahi, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Before we start, I think it's important that we say we've got no declaration of interest in current employment. We're not, not, none of us are paid by milk companies, uh, but we have been involved in educational activities, some of which were sponsored by baby milk companies. So I think it's fair to uh, declare that. Um, and the rules around infant formula companies sponsoring education events have changed fairly recently. So we, we both uphold to those principles through uh, our relevant organisations. So the other important disclaimer I think we need to start with, of course, Rahi, is that breast is best. And um, while I thought it was very useful to go back to basics and talk about baby formula and the milk that we feed babies, actually, the first conversation and the most important conversation is encouraging mothers to breastfeed their babies where at all uh, possible. Absolutely. And it's easy. It's um, There's lots and lots of clinic and groups, especially online groups now, also facilitated by NCT. Um, It's a lot easier to get started now than it was many years ago. I think when you felt isolated and you didn't have a lot of support, we are much more open and uh, supportive of women breastfeeding in public as well. So I think things have changed about how we feel about breastfeeding in general. So it's exciting times to be becoming a new parent today, thinking about breastfeeding. And NCT, you mentioned, is the National Childbirth Trust. Um, And this is a group who run parent craft classes for new parents or or maybe parents uh, who are not first-time parents uh, but want to meet other families having uh, a baby at, at the same time and there's a lot of emphasis and support before birth to try and support the the breastfeeding conversation and to make sure that breastfeeding is is the most important interaction that uh, new mum and new baby have to try and sort of support the nutrition 
Absolutely. I mean, I say it's easy, but even though I've been a pediatric dietitian for many years, it was only when I became a mum myself, I realised, oh my goodness, this isn't as easy as it looks on TV, you know, where they make it seem like you just pop the baby on the breast and off you go. It isn't. It is a learned behaviour for both mum and baby. But when you do take a little bit of time and, you know, being able to go to some of these courses or just, you know, observing other parents, there is a lot to learn. And it's, a, you know, it's a wonderful experience that once you master, there's a lot of joy and benefits, health benefits for both mother and baby for um, years to come. So I, I, I guess just thinking with my paediatric sort of hat on, um, you know, that we see babies coming through uh, emergency referred by um, our midwife and health visitor colleagues who are not feeding very well or not feeding at all. Um, and they need some support and input uh, to the feeding. And, and sometimes in those situations, um, babies' weight isn't quite what it should be. Um, and, um, feeding just hasn't been going the way that it should. Breastfeeding hasn't been going the way that it should, and the baby isn't getting the meal. And the, one of the great things is is trying to facilitate that situation and making it better with the help of certainly on my pediatric ward, my nursing colleagues, certainly the nursery nurses who who, who look after babies uh, on the ward, and and my uh, midwifery and neonatal nursing colleagues that will be involved, and, you know, and help. And it, it, if it takes a couple of days to get baby latched on and for mum and baby to understand exactly what's happening if the baby say is coming a bit dehydrated and with some weight loss in those first few days that can be really really enlightening for everybody uh, and really gratifying to to support the breastfeeding and get the baby feeding again get weight on uh get maybe maybe the electrolytes have been uh, a, a bit uh, abnormal uh, and get um and get nutrition going again to uh, and get the support going in the community once the baby's discharged Absolutely. I think, you know, had you asked me a few years ago, I would have said, yes, we've got to get that feeding in. So we need to get formula in whatever it takes to get baby feeding. And don't get me wrong. Um, you know, we need our babies fed. We need that nutrition to go in. But sometimes just taking a step back and perhaps just thinking, why is baby not feeding well? Sometimes it could just be down to the fact that baby isn't latching on well. Now, obviously, if they have a tongue tie, that needs to be addressed. But other times, especially if you're a first-time mother, it's probably just helping mum learn to get baby to latch. And that takes a little bit of practice. So if in the interim baby does get a little bit of formula because mum hasn't got any express breast milk that's fine I think in the short term we've got to be sensible we need our babies fed and it might just help save breastfeeding in the long run so we can come across as very anti-formula but sometimes we just need to use it for our advantage whilst remaining very positive about breastfeeding and you know letting parents just you know reduce that anxiety that they have initially they're thinking oh my goodness my baby isn't gaining any weight and so on and there's a lot of pressure on healthcare professionals to get that baby feeding so it's fine to use that formula in the short term but don't forget to perhaps think you know perhaps with a few tweaks to mum's positioning of baby at the latch and things like that you can rescue breastfeeding that's a really important start for our discussion uh, as we move on and talk about uh, the baby milks because um, the baby milks are are, are out there and um, um, in fact um, 
feeding baby with with artificial if that's the right word formula was given an interesting name based on the fact that uh, babies were nursed as in breastfed but not by their own mother sometimes i think that was called wet nursing wasn't it or wet feeding yes very interesting apparently babies back in the day might were fed from cow was it goat donkey we had a few different um that we came across so um eventually wet nursing fell out of favor and uh, attention turned to looking for a substitute for breast milk and so yes uh, yes feeding human babies milk from animals um was called dry nursing and that flourished in the 19th century and yes many different animals goats cows mares donkeys were used um, but why, why is it cow's milk was is, has been the one that seems to have sort of uh stood the test of time uh, in that way. Perhaps it was a little bit closer in terms of some of the other ingredients, perhaps easier to make in large quantities since formula is very, very popular. Okay, good. All right. And I believe donkey's milk was, was thought to be healthier because it, 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 its appearance more closely resembled breast milk. But I think that was well before all the work done on constituents uh, of, of these milks. And, and it, it would seem that there were ingenious arrangements in order to try and uh, get the milk from the animal into the uh, child, including, according to one report, milk spoon-fed to an infant or given via a cow's horn fitted with chamois at the small end as a nipple, for example. But obviously, bottles then became available during the Industrial Revolution years, uh, different shapes and sizes. And so um, getting towards the late 1800s now, um, and attempts were made to try and find a breast milk substitute. We do have lots and lots of different types of breast milk, breast milk substitutes, should I say, of infant formula. We are spoiled for choice. Um, and there's such a big variety now, too, with all the different hungry milks, goodnight milks. Um, I mean, they do change names, so it's very difficult to keep up with everything that's out there. So, I mean, I, I was in the supermarket the other day and I counted 15 different types of milk, either brands or different types. As you say, you know, there seem to be milks for uh, a hungry baby, milks for a baby that's hungry on a Monday, for babies who green on a Wednesday, uh, milks for babies that sleep well, babies that don't sleep so well, babies that wake up, wake up at three in the morning. There are lots of different types of milk out there. Um, and, 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 why is it, do you think, there's evolved this massive array of, of different choices for parents that I know they find bamboozling? And, and we talked about this uh, before as well, that what, what, what milk do they choose for their baby? Why would they go for this milk over that milk? And what is it that makes this milk right for this baby? In all honesty, the variety of these follow-on type milks are really available because they can be advertised and infant formula or stage one that's targeted towards um, babies under six months of age cannot be advertised because we know that breast is best and babies who do breastfeed are much less likely to experience diarrhea, you know, reduced risk of respiratory infections, improved cognitive function scores and things like that. So, these variety of creative milks is one way of advertising infant formula, I suppose, but it can make it very confusing for parents. And certainly if 
the baby has been refusing a variety of different feeds or hasn't been feeding really well, perhaps because of just a mild reflux. And then mum or dad has found a formula that they have liked, but then the baby doesn't seem to be feeding well again. Then they, they know they can go out and get another one. So it's just it is a shame that there's just so many because it just actually, I think it makes the problem worse because we have too many to choose from. And I think when you have too much choice, that just makes it very difficult and makes it very confusing for parents. I don't know what you think. No, very much so. I, I, I agree. And around about the 1800, 1900s, the t- turn of that century, they, the, the, the amount of babies that were not breastfed was high and there was a lot of morbidity and mortality uh, within those babies um, and we looked at some data uh, from the 1970s that, that sh- was quite alarming in the uh, effects that b- bottle-fed babies uh, were, were very much more likely to uh, have infections and uh, more mortality in that group. Yes in the 1970s there were what did we read um, a formula-fed baby was 40 times more likely to die from diarrhea and 20 times from just general mortality, I think, from memory. We need to have a look at the um, stats again. But that is really frightening data to look at. And sometimes we just don't talk enough about the benefits on breast milk. I think sometimes um, we need to just be more positive in general. We can be very anti um, formula and I think that has the op- opposite effect you know sometimes it just makes it seem more desirable when you're you know it's a bit like cake you can't have your cake um, and then the kid just wants more cake or more dessert whereas when you're really positive about breastfeeding and just giving and making the tools to allow more parents to breastfeed and more easily then I'm sure we will see our breastfeeding rates go up in the UK. Hopefully it has gone up during lockdown. It'll be nice to see what the rates are. I'd be really genuinely interested to know. Um, And again, you know, I think we do need to take into fact that um, we have more women working, yay, Um, you know, which which is brilliant. And sometimes the woman might be the higher earner. And so, you know, she might be going back to work after six months, three months, whatever. So rather than giving the message, we don't want any, you know, formula, perhaps if the formula is going to help bridge the gap between the time when she's at work and she's not able to pump, um, but then she is carrying on with some breastfeeding, maybe in the morning and the night, then that's still a really, really positive change where we, you know, we're being more open about mixed breastfeeding or mixed feeding, should I say, where you're Uh, allowing some breastfeeding and some formula without any um, what's the word without being negative about it really I mean we want to see more parents breastfeeding there that's um, there's no you know doubt about that and we we need to understand better why is that and I think formula is being marketed as the more you know easy option Um, but something that parents don't realize it's actually it's much easier to breastfeed than it is to get up in the middle of the night and make a bottle of formula it actually takes much much longer 
Whereas if you're breastfeeding, you can just pick up baby and literally pop them on your breast and go back to sleep. Um, but there is a little bit of work involved. And if you're a first-time mom, you might just not know what to do, especially if you haven't seen anyone breastfeeding around you. And as I alluded to earlier, it is a learned behavior, a learned skill for both mom and baby. So it is worth that initial investment in time. But we do need, I think we need more lactation consultants on the wards. We need more nurses, trained with how to support, um, you know, women to breastfeed, not give in to formula as easily, unless, of course, they're, you know, we don't want to put our babies at risk. We do want them to feed, to be, you know, a fed baby is best. But yes, I mean, it's a, it's, but in a sense, we, there are more health benefits if your baby is exclusively breastfed than receiving formula. And that's a really interesting um, point you make uh, there about, you know, this uh, relationship between the mother and the baby and and, and, and maybe breastfeeding, you know, mothers need to eat well, and keep the fluids up and keep themselves, you know, in, in good health as well. And so yeah. I think that that's a, 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 an interesting point about the dynamic and balance, you know, um, of, of parents uh, of 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 couples uh, with their babies, um, whether they're same sex couples, there's there, there, there are roles to play here, um, even when when one of the partners is doing the breastfeeding. Yes, and for those you know those women who are prepared to uh, pump, then that can you know the express breast milk can go into a bottle, and then um, the second parent can then feed baby so that mum gets a little bit extra sleep. I'm, I'm sure um, that's probably what she's after in those early days, just that little bit, t- extra 20 minutes of sleep or so. Um, so, yes, it's a nice way of sharing the burden of feeding. By and, 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 of course, uh, one of the things we should counsel against is co-sleeping, isn't it? Because that uh, is a risk factor for uh, sudden unexplained death in infancy. And um, co-sleeping is, is a risk, gives a risk of suffocation. So there's got to be, a, a, if, you're, if you're advising parents about, you know, breastfeeding and keeping babies fed in the middle of the night, uh, it's always worth just checking in that they've got a bassinet or a cot at the side of the bed and the baby does not stay, you know, in the bed. And yeah, that would be a good reason for the partner to at least be a bit awake and, and, and rousable and maybe, you know, deliver the baby to the breastfeeding, you know, partner and, 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 and make sure the baby gets back in their own uh, environment, back to sleep on their back. Um, feet to foot and all of that. And change the nappy, of course. Of course. Um, so we've talked about all the different milks out there, and 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 I guess the the reason about for, for the um, issue around first formula and marketing is that the there is an international code of marketing of breast milk substitutes which uh, is an international health policy adopted by the World Health Assembly of the World Health Organization. Um, uh, And that was uh, uh, described in 1981. And it restricted advertising uh, of infant formula, basically. So infant formula in that form cannot be marketed. And Many, many countries have signed up to it, uh, uh, well over 80, I believe, uh, and there are more uh, joining that. Uh, However, the code doesn't necessarily, I believe, uh, have any power itself, but it is a standard that, as I say, many, many countries have signed up to, and it is very much to promote breastfeeding and prevent 
milk marketing and by milk marketing there are things like they cannot uh, claim health benefits of formula cannot milk companies cannot give free samples to, to women who are able to breastfeed and and those sorts of things and there's also the baby friendly hospital initiative which i know many 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 hospitals uh, have signed up to and are accredited to uh, be which uh, allow them to say very loudly and proudly that that they're uh, encouraging breastfeeding and to do not uh, allow bottle uh, or, or formula milk to be uh, given out distributed to new mothers uh, in their unit Absolutely. But I, and I think these things are really, of course, very, very important. But equally, as I mentioned earlier, in, in practice, we just need more experienced staff who can actively support breastfeeding. We really need that. And I think that is key to helping increase our breastfeeding rates in the UK. Um, yes, we shouldn't be promoting and advertising infant formula. But having said that, if we then don't have the resources and the key staff to help promote breastfeeding, then we're sort of letting letting down our mums in a way as well. So um, lots to think about there as well, I think. So just move, moving uh, back to something we, we talked about uh, early, we've said that there were, there were many different mammals, milks that were used to feed babies, artificial feeding, not not non-breastfeeding uh, anyway. And some of those mammals, of, of uh, so there are some manufacturers that, that make those mammalian milks in a tin, in a powdered form that you can use if you think that that's something that, that you would want. I guess goat's milk is one of those that, that I know is, is, is available. And there are some families that think that is better than the normal, usual for infant formula is cow's milk um but there's no there's no good evidence that that is any better or any more beneficial uh for a baby uh, than a cow's milk formula uh is there not that i'm aware of i mean i understand that the sheep and the goat might be more likely to be grass-fed and perhaps their diet is a little bit better um but at the end of the day if there was a choice it really doesn't matter if you're going to choose infant formula they're all virtually very very similar um but again if you can try to breastfeed if you can yes and those um other milks that we've mentioned the milks for a hungrier baby the sleep well baby the comforts some of the comfort milks um are uh, again the, the, the follow-on milks um if you if you look at the the nhs um uk website there is a section on infant formula i think it's a, it's a really useful uh gives a really useful rundown of all those formulae that are available um and and you know that it's clear from from the from the information there that there is not really any great evidence that the hungrier babies or the good night milks for example have any great evidence behind them that they are going to make uh, a baby settle more or settle better i know that there's a, a ratio of casein um and um whey that is altered uh um to try and uh, make you know it more 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 easily digestible uh, or even less e easily digestible i.e to hang around in the stomach uh, for a bit longer so the hungrier baby formulas contain more casein than whey and casein is a bit harder to digest so it's thought that the hungrier babies uh, would behave in a less hungry way if they had more milk in their tummy for longer. Uh, but again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not aware that there's any great research evidence that that supports that. No, and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be recommending these 
um, different. Uh, I think it can just confuse parents more. If anything, if parents are saying to you, I, 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 can you please recommend something else because my baby is hungry, chances are they actually just need a, a bit of a nutrition dietetic review just to see what's going on in there. Perhaps it's about just changing the volumes of the feed. Um, and in some babies who just need help with weight gain, it, you can concentrate um, the feeds and things like that. So there are other things that you can recommend apart from those. And I, from memory, some of the good night mils and things like that do have slightly more protein. So 1.6 grams per 100 mils compared to the usual 1.3. But but just as a quick reminder, many, many years ago, um, most infant formula did have up to 1.6, even 2.1 grams protein per 100 mils. But then there was evidence to show that babies who had too much protein were more likely to gain weight more quickly than what was you know appropriate in terms of weight for height, weight for length. So the protein content in our infant formula was actually reduced to match um, breast milk. So another sign that perhaps these good night milks are not really necessary. And um, just getting into so my clinical area is uh, looking after children with allergic conditions so i see a lot of uh, babies who 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 have potential milk allergy and um and, and babies who also have uh, reflux so um maybe the comfort milks and the reflux milks the, there seems to be a little bit more sort of substance behind them uh, comfort milks may be partially hydrolyzed uh, the hydrolyzation is this breaking down of milk proteins into smaller chains if you like and you get extensively hydrolyzed that are the so-called hypoallergenic milks that are prescribed for our babies that may have cow milk protein allergy of a non-IG or, or an IG uh, type um, and then the yeah and the and the reflux milks um, a, a number of those contain things like carob bean that is a carbohydrate that thickens up when you mix it with water so it's a thicker milk that goes down um, and some actually thicken up when they hit the acid of the stomach um so you need to know which one you're on i mean antacids in re in, in gastroesophageal reflux in infants is going out of vogue so uh but it would be inappropriate to have a baby on an uh, uh an antacid and using one of the anti-reflux formulae that uh, congeal and thicken up when they hit the acid of the stomach i mean i guess as a first line it's okay for parents to give that a go but there is good evidence to also show that, you know, positioning of the baby, keeping them upright after they've been fed can be just as effective in managing some mild reflux. So some positing after feeding is perfectly normal as well. So it's important to reassure parents about that. And most babies will grow out of reflux by the time they reach one year of age. So it, it is something to just sort of ride through in a way. And I guess the most important tip is to make sure that maybe their bed is slightly elevated um, if they do experience some mild reflux. But we don't recommend partially hydrolyzed feeds for the treatment of calcium protein allergy. So if you suspect calcium protein allergy, then it should be, um, you know, extensively hydrolyzed formula in the first instance. And if, if mum is breastfeeding and there's thought to be non-IgE or delayed calcium protein allergy, then to take uh, dairy out of the diet. But the important thing here is to do this as a trial, four to six weeks. Uh, and I would uh, direct everybody to the IMAP guidelines, the International Milk Allergy in Primary Care 
uh, guideline uh, that is hosted on the Allergy UK website. Uh, very uh, uh, clear guidelines. Uh, deals with the issue of an IgE-mediated, um, histamine-mediated allergic uh, milk reaction, and that's the uh, immediate reaction, and then this non-IgE or delayed cow's milk protein allergy. These babies are reported to be more fussy, uh, more irritated, more agitated, more uncomfortable around feeding. Uh, they, they may well have reflux symptoms, uh, pulling their knees up um, and, and vomiting, and we could do a whole podcast on reflux, of course, uh, but treatment of reflux is becoming much more explanatory and supportive. Babies are gaining weight. Uh, is the baby actually bothered by it? And I guess what was interesting is the EAT study, a by byproduct of the EAT study was assessment of symptoms of young babies um, to uh, try and uh, work out whether these symptoms were actually uh, allergy symptoms or not. Um, and many of the behaviours that we describe in babies that is put down to possibly being milk allergy uh, were reported in that cohort who were normal and did not have milk allergy. So uh, that was an interesting outcome uh, of that study. Again, it's, it's about uh, reintroducing dairy after a period of dairy-free, whether it's uh, mum who's breastfeeding taking dairy out of her diet or whether it's going on to a specialist hypoallergenic formula um uh then uh that's that should be done for a finite amount of time and then the cow's milk should be reintroduced either to mother's diet or to the baby to see if those symptoms come back i think that's really important because there are significant cohorts of babies that seem more settled four or six weeks down the line um after that period on the hypoallergenic formula Yes. And I mean, lots of certainly from my experience, lots of parents can be reluctant to reintroduce to sort of confirm the diagnosis. But it's so important. And as long as they feel supported, most parents are really willing to do that. And it can just highlight that perhaps those original symptoms, as you've said, wasn't actually allergy. So it is important to do that reintroduction. And great if the if the baby's formula fed, then, you know, grade it in so that um, it's a nice, easy transition for both mum and baby. I think it's probably reasonable now to just talk briefly about um, the more serious milk allergy children that we look after, whether it's immediate allergy, who have to generally be completely cow's milk protein free uh, if they had an immediate reaction to milk, maybe on the first exposure of, of milk in food, say, uh, when they have been breast uh, fed. So uh, first porridge maybe or, or for something like that. But but also the babies with delayed uh, cow's milk protein allergy that, that, that aren't settling, that have uh, so, some obvious symptoms according to the guidelines of milk allergy, don't settle on the extensively hydrolyzed formula. There's another version of hypoallergenic formula uh, and amino acid formula that we use in that situation yes i mean most babies are absolutely fine on the extensively hydrolyzed formula i very rarely have had to change uh, a baby who just for say calcium protein allergy even if it is delayed calcium protein allergy i very rarely had to change them over to an amino acid formula. Um, I know it's very controversial, but I am quite pro-probiotics. I know um, lots of other uh, professionals may feel that the evidence just isn't there. But sometimes just adding in a probiotic can also help settle baby symptoms. I guess it really depends on what baby symptoms are. Um, there are some infant formulas with probiotics added, but that can make it a little bit tricky for parents to make. That's how I feel, to, if I'm honest, because it also needs to be made once the 
water has been cooled right down. So there's a bit of fluffing around waiting for that. So if parents are in a hurry and they, you know, just make it with um with water that's just been cooled down for 20 minutes, it would still be too hot and would kill off all the probiotics in the infant formula. So that's another strategy that can be tried if if the baby just isn't settling, but also um, just remembering, I'm not trying to put down first-time mummies uh, at all, but sometimes, you know, if baby is crying a little bit throughout the day, they might just need a cuddle, they might just need you, and they will settle. So, And if they do wake up a few times in the night, that is perfectly normal. Um, I, I know I feel terrible saying this, but I think we do live in a culture where we there's just false expectations that babies should be sleeping through the night by three months. I mean, if only, I think my kids didn't sleep through the night till about age three, three years. So, um, you know, if the babies are waking up a little bit over in the night and crying a little bit, that's perfectly okay. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's the FAN the fan that uh, I learned as a, as a, as, a, as a more junior pediatric doctor. Um, if the baby's awake and, and uh, do they need a feed? Uh, do they need attention? Uh, or do they need their nappy changing? Um, and if it's the middle of the night uh, and they don't need a feed or a nappy, then at that time they probably don't need attention either. Um, so certainly when babies get a bit older, probably to from four plus certainly six plus months it's about self-soothing at night um and, and and that will help but but i'm also noticing that many babies who are reported to maybe have cows with protein allergy uh, are reported to uh, wake a lot at night and be upset and unsettled at night and if they truly had a, a delayed cows with protein allergy that should be pervasive it should be all the time that they're unsettled and feeding itself should upset them so um I, I, I sometimes factor that in as a as a marker of uh, saying, well, actually, I'm not convinced this baby has that 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 delayed cow's milk protein allergy. Having a discussion about the expectations of, you know, if baby is um, crying a little bit more in the night, perhaps they just need, you know, perhaps they do have a little bit of reflux as well. So they should be, you know, left a little bit upright after a feed. And just those, you know, those little tips to just hope them can be really helpful because when your baby is crying for many, you know, for a long time at night, it can be really distressing for parents. So, um, but certainly if the baby has growth failure or um, so that's when their weight centile has crossed more than two lines on the growth chart, or if they also have severe eczema, then yes, and you know, an amino acid formula would definitely be appropriate rather than an extensively hydrolyzed formula. Very good. Yes, and a trial again to see if the skin gets better, I guess, in eczema. One of the other milks we haven't mentioned yet that uh, is recommended only from six months is soya formula um, made from soya beans. So this is plant-based, uh, but there are some concerns that uh, soya contains phytoestrogens, the chemical structure of which is similar to female hormones, and there are concerns that this may affect particularly male babies. And these formulas also contain more glucose, as I understand it, so it may, may harm babies developing teeth if they've, they've come through. So um, not usually recommended. And of course, many babies with cow's milk protein allergy also have some uh, cross-reaction with soya too. But you mentioned there the next issue that I think it's worth uh, covering, and that's those babies that aren't growing or gaining weight uh, and those babies that may need a higher energy formula because there the are a number of high energy formulas out there that we can use um what what are your thoughts about about those and what's your experience uh, of using those in babies who maybe aren't growing very well probably a bit old-fashioned i tend to concentrate the notes and i give parents um special recipes 
um, so that they know, you know, you might add an extra scoop. But obviously, it's not quite that way. It is all nicely scientifically calculated out. But we concentrated the recipe and that also thickens up the milk. So that can help manage some symptoms but it'll also help with the with the children's awakening there are i believe some new milks that are ready to feed perhaps with i I imagine they're a lot more expensive so depending on the home situation you'll have to weigh out whether it is worthwhile prescribing that or asking your dietitian to calculate out a more concentrated recipe. Sometimes it's just a small, you know, just gradually every week increasing the calories up a little bit, concentrating it up, you know, by 1% every week might be enough. And initially I always find that in the first month they don't put out any weight and you think, why are they gaining the weight to put up there? And then suddenly after 30 days they start to gain weight because all of that good work with the concentrated feed, every mum's got into the swing of getting, you know, getting those recipes in. So I guess it depends on the degree of weight loss and uh, how quickly you need that weight gain to go. And so lots to consider, but they definitely will be convenient. They're ready to feed. But concentrating the baby formula will be fine. And it means for parents who do travel around, that makes it very easy for them to store it in a suitcase as well, now that we can travel. So, um, uh, so, so you mentioned get, getting your dietitian on board, and I, I think that's a fantastic, um, uh, possibly way to sort of try and wrap up. Because you're you're right, my dietitian colleagues are very expert in manipulating the normal formula. Because of course, when you make up formula, each brand comes with its own scoop that's its own size, and that scoop is make helps you make the milk up one scoop to one ounce um, in um, imperial. You need to know the dilution, absolutely, so you can make the recipe. So, so that's really, really important. You can't just borrow a scoop from another brand no, and use that. Enough. And I think that's probably something that a lot of people don't know. I guess the other thing just to, to deal with at this point is the volume that we expect babies to feed, which is this magic 150 mils per kilo per day, maybe up to 180. And if they're having 200 and you calculate that that's the volume that they're having, they're probably being overfed in the first sort of, you know, up to four months of life, let's say um and um but parents don't talk in those terms they say i give my baby oh uh, i make up four ounces uh, and they take three ounces and i feed them every three hours and and i think for us as pediatricians we have to uh, you know be quite good at that bit on countdown where you're doing a lot of maths and calculations to work out what it is so you need to know there's roughly 30 mils in an ounce to be able to work out the number of mils in the ounces that are being given how much is being taken um, and how often in a 24-hour period gives you the number of feeds a day and then you can work out the actual volume in mils the child is getting divide that by the weight the current weight or in the first sort of few days of life the birth weight and there you have your mils per kilo per day you can work out that magic number many parents now keep track of their baby's feeds on their phone uh mainly in in the notes section but there are apps as well and that can be really really helpful the other thing uh, as well that i've noticed is some babies need help of our speech and language colleagues to, uh, sometimes to help with their um with their latching and oromotor skills sometimes. So I think that the triumvirate of a paediatrician uh, to make sure that there's nothing else or uh, nothing serious going on 
dietitian to support the the type of feeds uh, and maybe concentration volume of feeds and a speech and language therapist to help with the actual mechanics of feeding feeding can be a really successful trio uh, to help if, if 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 babies are reported to be somewhat bottle or feed averse absolutely and don't forget the number of feeds in the night um as soon as he said oh my baby's fed three hours you don't forget to ask what about at night exactly when does baby get up to feed in the night oh it's not three hourly anymore it's different so let's try and increase the bottle sizes during the day it's just lots of manipulating of bottles and volumes and all that fun stuff um, and you're absolutely right um some of the uh, toddlers that remain on bottled formula or that are given cow's milk in a bottle so you know we've been talking a lot about formula but actually cow's milk itself we transition babies uh, at around 12 months onto cow's milk why is it that we leave it till till 12 months and one minute and and at 11 months uh, and three weeks and, and two days it, it was deemed inappropriate to give them actual cow's milk because I haven't got any evidence to say that at 11 months and 29 days, baby is safe. <laughs> and I know that there are families uh, uh, and people who will give their, their babies cow's milk, uh, you know, supermarket bought, used to be doorstep delivered. Some of it may still be uh, a bit earlier and certainly mix it in food a bit earlier. And that's OK, isn't it? Yes, but, absolutely. But the older toddlers that are, that are uh, being given cow's milk to drink, um are, are what i refer to sometimes as milkaholics and they drink so much milk they don't actually eat anything and they're reported to be very fussy eaters and picky eaters and don't eat very much they're gaining weight because the milk is high in energy and one thing they do lack is iron and many of these children in with this sort of scenario uh come in with an iron deficiency sometimes quite severe so the question to ask exactly as you you said earlier is how, how many bottles of child have during the day and the answer will be oh, only has two or three but then they may be having two or three during the night and that was the you didn't ask that so you didn't get told it exactly and they may also be experiencing constipation because they're not getting enough of those fiber rich foods one in three children suffer from constipation it's an untapped area because we're not talking enough about fiber in our children and exactly how much they need so yes we do want the babies to start drinking from an open cup from about six months of age and you know we can get them to have maximum 300 mils of cow's milk from the age of one tricky at first but it can be gradually weaned down definitely and i'm sure once they start enjoying food they will be happy to give up that milk well, bye. Thank you so much for the conversation today. I've really enjoyed taking a tour of infant formula uh, and we worked our way through from, from very early uh, in a baby's life right the way up to toddler. Uh, so it's been, it's been really interesting. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to download our podcast this week. If you enjoy our podcasts, please tell your friends and colleagues and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, our SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.